How we learn to love in our early relationships forms the template for how we love throughout our lives. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Ahoy, shit shows, shit show nation. How are we doing? For any new listeners, my name is Andrea. I am a big shit show, and we use shit show as a term of endearment around here. I'll have you know. And if you're wondering what an adult child is, an adult child is someone who grew up in an alcoholic or dysfunctional family whose unresolved childhood pain surfaces and plays out in adulthood and not in a good way, I might add. And how do you know if you are one? Well, I'm actually going to read you the laundry laundry list right now. So these are the 14 common characteristics of an adult child. You know, I don't even know if I've ever actually fully read the list uh, on a podcast episode before, which is kind of a bit atrocious. So this comes from the 12-step program, ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholic and Dysfunctional Families. But when I read this list for the first time... I about shit myself. It was a spiritual experience indeed. Uh, And this is the case for so many of us. I believe it says that if you if you relate to three or more, you probably are an adult child. Okay, here we go. Number one, we became isolated and afraid of people and authority figures. Two, we became approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. Three, we are frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. Four, we either become alcoholics, marry them, or both, or find another compulsive personality, such as a workaholic, to fulfill our sick abandonment needs. Five, we live life from the viewpoint of victims, and we are attracted by that weakness in our love and- Kiki! Hello? (laughs) Hello? For anybody who's new, that's my cat, and she's deaf, and she uh, she does this, like, weird hello howly thing. Um, only in this bedroom, in the second bedroom, is the only place that she does it, and my podcast studio is in the closet of the second bedroom. Um, five, we live life from the viewpoint of victims, and we are attracted by that weakness in our love and friendship relationships. Six, we have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, and it is easier for us to be concerned with others rather than ourselves. This enables us to not look too closely at our own faults. Seven, we get guilt feelings when we stand up for ourselves instead of giving into others. Eight, we become addicted to excitement. Nine, we confuse love and pity and tend to love those we can pity and rescue. 10. We have stuffed our feelings from our traumatic childhoods and have lost the ability to feel or express our feelings because it hurts so much. Denial. 11. We judge ourselves harshly and have a very low sense of self-esteem. 12. We are dependent personalities who are terrified of abandonment and will do anything to hold on to a relationship in order not to experience painful abandonment feelings, which we receive from living with sick people who are never there emotionally for us. When I read that, 
that is really when I shit my pants. <laughs> um, the next two are a little bit weird. I'll explain. 13, alcoholism is a family disease. And we became para-alcoholics and took on the characteristics of the disease even though we did not pick up the drink. So the term para-alcoholics, folks, was the term that was used for codependence back in the day. Um, as we know now, codependence, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be you're in a relationship with somebody who has a substance abuse issue. You can be a codependent in other, in other relationship dynamics as well. And then uh, 14, para-alcoholics are reactors rather than actors. So let me explain what is going on here. And I don't even think we need to say para-alcoholics or codependents. I think what we need to say is adult children are reactors rather than actors. Basically, this is kind of like, if it's hysterical, it's historical. We're having um, kind of outsized reactions based off stuff in our past that is unresolved. We are reacting based off the past as opposed to acting based off the present moment. I hope that that makes sense. Again, if you're new, go back to the very beginning of the podcast. So episode one is where I tell my adult child bottom story where I dated two alcoholics named Brian back to back. And then the first 10 or so episodes just gives you my story in depth and really like lays the foundation of what an adult child is and some key concepts and terms. So I just think that this will be a more pleasurable listening experience for you if you go back to the beginning and, and at least listen to like, I don't know, the first 10 or so episodes. So we are so happy to have you here. But again, if you want to stick around, uh, you got to be okay with the term shit show and you got to be okay with hearing the word fuck occasionally. Okay. We say fuck around here. Um, so today we are joined by Elroy and Jenny Powell. So I had Elroy uh, on the podcast. I don't know. It's probably been a year and a half ago or so, Elroy Spoonface, Spoon the Voice Guy Powell. I will include in the show notes the link to his first episode where we really go in depth into his childhood experience. Uh, he was not married at the time that we did this episode. Elroy and I caught up a couple, like a month or so ago, and I said, have you and your wife done a podcast together? And he said, no. I was like, you want to do that shit? And he said, yes. So they're both in the healing space, in the coaching space, and I just thought it would be really interesting to hear what a healthy relationship sounds like. <laughs> I thought it might be good for us to hear, yeah, how, how two people are, are navigating their, their relationship based off their childhoods and how they are maintaining their sense of self in a relationship and how they are rewriting the dysfunctional relationship templates that were ingrained in them as kids. So this is a really vulnerable, fun, deep, raw discussion as they always are here. So let's get on with the damn show. But first... So as I've mentioned, we switched off of Patreon for the support community related to this podcast. We switched off Patreon. We're on Mighty Networks. We are just testing it out, working out the kinks with the existing members now. I will be opening it up to the rest of y'all shit shows, hopefully within the next few weeks. So stay tuned for more information on how you new folks can join. Next, please give me a little follow on the Insta, on the TikTok, at Pod. 
please, I don't know if I'm still shadow banned or what, but can you go like my shit? Can you go like, comment, engage, share my shit? Por favor. And then last but not least, this is a requirement, folks. Okay, if you're new, stop whatever the hell you're doing right now and give me a damn five-star review on Apple, on Spotify. Thank you. Love you all. We have one returning guest. Well, I was thinking, does anyone ever call you Mr. Powell? <laughs> yes. Yeah? They do, Mr. Powell? <laughs> we have Mr. Powell, a.k.a. Elroy Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy, and his lovely wife, Jen. Uh, buckle up. Here we go, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. When has it been one year yet? Since yeah. Yep. When we married in March this year. March of, okay. So March yeah. 2022. Yeah. And we've been together about four years, almost four years overall. Um, describe the first year of marriage in one word. Jen, you first. Adventure. Beautiful. You know, I'd, I'd come from a situation where I had children. I didn't want to get into a, a, a deep relationship again. I was having the time of my life as a single man, not, you know, not, not being a player, but just free and not having to answer to anyone. And um, it, it, it's been beautiful finding someone that I feel this level of alignment with. Mm -hmm. There are challenges, but we have our mechanisms for creating solutions and healing healing ourselves, healing together and moving forward into better places. So for me, it's been beautiful. And y'all met on Facebook. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I think that was really, it, it was amazing because it wasn't an intentional yeah. dating. We weren't speaking for that reason at all. Facebook, I did not use Facebook for those purposes. So <laughs> to just genuinely meet someone like a profile, get on, how did you come across each other? I saw Jen come up as a recommended friend. Okay. I wasn't sure about which friends we had <laughs> mutual, but I checked out. It's God's plan. God's plan. <laughs> right. I think God God did it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. So I checked, you know, I checked the um, profile and I saw Jen really sharing really positive stuff and in alignment with a lot of what I believe. So mm -hmm. I just thought, hey, I like your profile. How you doing? Sending you my best. Da -da -da -da. And it's that kind of thing. And it like Jen said, it we didn't have an intention of dating or anything like that. Um, it happened organically yeah. over time, which is great. And so then, how did it how did it uh, unfold? What? Well, sorry, go ahead. no, no. Um, lots of I think we were just like sort of you know liking messages, not messages, you know, like profile pictures and posts and like stories. The odd comment here and there. Were you poking each other? Remember how you could, used to be able to poke someone? I do remember those days, but this, pokes. This, this is a post-poke era, I believe. Yeah, Ellie, no pokes. I don't I don't poke nobody. It was just a kind of thing for me, I think. Poke yeah, no more. Like, no is pokes. it friendly? Is it offensive? I'm not really sure. No more but, pokes. Exactly. But we, you know, just started texting, and you know, on Messenger, speaking on Messenger a little bit more. And then we kind of eventually swapped numbers. I think it was a while we yeah. weren't texting. And then we just started the odd phone call, introduction. And then it was like, oh, okay, he sounds 
quite nice. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, how he's from London. I, I've got friends in London. I used to go to London. I love London as a city because I live in the north of England. This is where I'm from. So I'm four hours drive from London. So it's not in my backyard, you know. So it was really interesting to like cross paths in that way. And it's like, okay, seems pretty cool. But I wasn't thinking anything of it. It was just a connection, a nice conversation here and there. Oh yeah, how you doing? Are you into music? Me too. I'm having singing lessons. Oh, you write, I write. Oh, that's nice. You know, sort of like common. Did uh, you know his song? Like, do you remember when his song was a hit? Yes, I do remember. I used to to dance to that song in nightclubs when I was like 17. Yeah. It was was amazing. So when I find that out, it's like, oh. You didn't realize it at first. No, 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 not at all, not at all, 100%. Because, like, you know you know a song, you know the voice, but I never had Sky growing up. I never knew what this guy looked like. I didn't see a music video. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just on on a Friday night if I was out, so I would never know the face behind it. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting, and we had a lot to talk about, and then we started progressing just to phone calls and the odd FaceTime, and then we arranged to meet up, um, and then, yeah. then that was it. And I thought, I'll go to London. When, when what did it turn romantic the first time you met in person? Um, Paul, we met about three months after messaging and speaking. So it was like a gradual friendship that built. And then we met on the in the August, I think it was. Um, and then it was like, oh, actually, he's actually a really nice, genuine person. Um, <laughs> and then we just thought, Do you know what? Let's, you know, see what happens. <laughs> ah, the memories. Memories. Ah. For you, memories. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you doing at the time, Jen, professionally? So professionally, I obviously I lived in the north of England, not in London. Um, I was doing a lot of I worked in law enforcement then. So oh, really? very different industry to what Elroy is in. Um, you know, I've, what were you I've, doing in law enforcement? Uh, I won't say too many details, but it was long hours, lots of paperwork, early morning starts, late night finishes, very different to Elroy's industry. And, you know, it was just what I've done for a long time and I was used to it and it was it was okay kind kind of just became what I was doing but I was also into other things so I'd started like doing my life coaching I'm an NLP practitioner because I really saw the benefit in positive thinking positive mindset I'd been through things myself and I'd had to get myself through those dark times and I thought you know what other people need help and so I sort of combined the two then you know life coaching which I still do now um helping women to to glow I'm a grow, glow coach now grow live overcome and win and it helps women focus on themselves especially mums who lose their identities um a lot of my clients are mummies that just need a bit of help because they're not just mums and they lose themselves mm-hmm. what did you say grow live overcome win win yeah so glow the glow coach so we got to hear all about your better half's uh upbringing last time he was on so let's hear about yours. Would you consider your childhood dysfunctional? Um, I never did. And I've done a lot of personal growth, personal development over my own experiences through adulthood. And like yourself, to start figuring out why you choose a certain person, why they're not available, mm-hmm. why I struggle with certain things, why can't I trust people? Why is this an issue? Why, 
do I react in a certain way? Why don't I react in a certain way that other people might be like, what are you doing? It's crazy. Like this person is great or whatever. And I'm like, no, not trusting myself. Um, so, you know, over the past few years, there's been a lot of healing and I have come to realizations from my part, from my point of view as Jen now and little Jenny, that things weren't as, um, simple as what they may have could have been just you know when when I reflect on it and I start to see patterns now that are still going on that I've come out of when I can see it from a different point of view it's like oh okay maybe that wasn't always um the best you know and my, my parents they're not bad people I just think they have their own ha um, habits and patterns and put those onto us and then they're from a generation you know, sort of 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. So it's very different how how we are now. So I haven't always grown up with that thought, but now I've certainly got an awareness that things. Do you, did you have like a significant aha? Um, one of my ahas was, I, I was married over 10 years ago and I was young when we got married. Um, when that fell apart within like the first 12 months. So we made it. So we, we made it and... Your jokes are on point today, I must say. Um, yeah. So getting getting to 12 months for me was a big thing because my previous one, I left at nine months. Mm. And there was a lot of shame around that. Lack of support, to say the least. You know, people sided with him. I was the bad guy um, because people weren't able to understand it because I never spoke up and said how unhappy I was because I thought it wasn't that bad. Mm. And he's not a bad person and we'll, we'll be okay. And I'll just try a bit better and I'll do a bit better. And I want to just get to the 40 year mark like my parents are. And it's amazing. And having those 40 years. <laughs> and, yeah, it was back then. You just got to get to 40 years. <laughs> it's, it's nearly 50 now because to me, that is what a successful marriage or successful yep. relationship is. But it hasn't got to be that way. Like, it comes in very many shapes, many sizes, different um, situations will be a success to that person and that couple, whoever that couple and person are based on themselves, their wants, needs and experiences. So the pivotal moment, from one of the pivotal moments was going through a lot of stress and trauma myself and not being supported and having to drag myself through that um, was really hard. And I started to realize people keeping a distance, the people that you think shouldn't keep a distance kept a distance so I'm like mm. okay I don't understand this like what have I done but mm. then it took me even more years and coming to we live in the Caribbean now and coming to the Caribbean having that distance and being very much in my own mindset my own body my own thoughts feelings emotions being aware of who I am what I am what I want to do what I want to achieve um and knowing I can do it all by myself and certain people or fam friends, friends or family might fall away and not necessarily be there. And that, again, has just made me see that maybe some people struggle with you doing certain things, having your own mind, having success, wanting to do your own thing, not asking them for opinions anymore. Mm. You know, those things has kind of led me to realisations that I still need to do some family healing. So the past year for me being in our marriage and our relationship going forward has definitely been a space to do that. That's beautiful. What do you, 
what do you think, um, like in, in, in past relationships in that marriage or even afterwards, what do you feel like was a, a limiting belief from your childhood that you were carrying with you into relationships? That other people's happiness is first. Mm. Um, I, you know, don't really matter. It's not important if I'm seen or heard. Stay in your place. Sit down, shut up. Don't rock the boat. All of those things. Not be vocal. Um, don't upset anyone. Walk on eggshells if you need to. That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really hard for me to find my voice over the years and in my 30s um, that was been a massive transformation decade for me to really turn it around I was single for a lot of years before I met Elroy as well and I loved it I didn't at first it took a lot of getting used to you know and I went on dates and there was no one serious it was casual dating and it was nice to get out of my comfort zone and build confidence and start to believe in myself again and mm-hmm. believe that actually I am interesting, like I have got things to offer. I am an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. All of the things that I'd lost over the years and then be on my own without all that stuff and not date anyone and travel on my own and start a business that means something on a heart level, not just something that I think will make money because it has to have both, you know? And for me, it took a lot to get to that phase and I've done it all and I'm doing a lot of things that like my family haven't done. So it's, I feel like I can't even relate to anyone or mm-hmm. they don't relate to me. So again, you, I feel, or I have felt in the past that like, lots of loneliness and aloneness around it. I know being alone and being lonely are very different. I was lonely for a long time and then I was very happy being alone. And then when me and Elroy met, I feel like I was very happy on my own. He was very happy on his own. And that really just led to two good, solid, strong, confident people being 100% on their own and then meeting and then creating an empire and creating a bond that doesn't rely on the other person because we both bring and we know what we bring to the relationship. So Mm. there's been so many lessons and I, I wouldn't, although it's been hard in parts, I wouldn't change any of it in your thirties, like what did your healing journey look like? What different modalities or, you know, therapy, what, what did you find was most beneficial to you in healing? Yeah. Talking therapy. Um, I've had a, um, psychotherapist since 2013 when I was going through the divorce. Um, I drop in with her now ever so often. And that was the best investment I've ever made because I didn't know I needed it at the time. And I went and spoke about one thing, which was like the divorce, all the surface stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I'm okay now. And then I didn't see her for 18 months. And then I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And then I hit rock bottom again because I realized what the root stuff was. And I addressed a lot of the root stuff, i.e. family situations. And then I went back to her <laughs> 18 months later and I'm like, hi, can I come and see you again? And she was like, Jane, you know what's going on? Come in. And I'm like, yeah, so... I need to talk about this now. And she was like, oh, yeah, I know. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, you didn't tell me. She was like, Jenny, <laughs> your healing journey is not on my time frame. It's not up to mm. me to tell you when you need it. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Right, well, I need it now, so let's go. <laughs> and then I had the second period that I, I jump in and out of now, just as a, a, a support, it, you know, and I... I think it's so important to have that and someone completely independent, completely impartial. I try and be honest, as honest as I can and see it from all sides and 
just to get clarity on things. And she's really helped me to see that actually that childhood that you're describing as your norm maybe could have been done a bit differently. And maybe that person in the family isn't the best for what you needed at that time. And and I was able to see and reframe things. And it's, it hurts because it's sad when you recognise as a child, you missed out on things. You didn't get what you needed. It really hurts because little you really needed that. And you still need that in a way. And it's really sad because you missed out. Mm-hmm. And you feel deprived as, of some areas of childhood. That's how I felt. And it's it's recognising and being able to accept that deprivation in areas that should be so basic and should be so nailed down and fine and competent in those areas. And you missed it. And it's like, oh, okay, wow. So now we've just got to give it to ourselves. So one of the main things for me was the talking therapy Um I used to do a lot of um, you know, like NLP. I used to train. I trained in that. Then I used to do sessions and um, go to like Tony Robbins events, Les Brown, like amazing public speakers that I've been trained by because I, I thrive in those environments and go into a four or five day Tony Robbins event where no one's sleeping for like 16 hours when you're in an arena and you're like doing walking on calls. Yeah, the walk, yeah, did the fire walk. I used to, I volunteered for after that. So I used to be on the fire team, helping other people have that experience. And I really thrived in those environments and it was amazing. But I also recognised that some people in those environments stick to those environments and they're still pretty broken and want to help everyone else, but not themselves. And I kind of felt that I sat in the middle and I was like, I know I've got my stuff to deal with. You're not here to help me do that. This is my journey. And now I don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of gone through it and I don't need to do certain things or volunteer or connect with certain groups that I used to do because I feel like it was all a phase, you know, and I used to love, I still do love like yoga and meditation and I just spent time on my own just getting quiet because I would always have music on, I would always be out, I would be the party girl, I would want to be out doing amazing things on the weekend with my friends, but it was all surface friends. It wasn't the stuff that I could really have a real deep conversation mm-hmm. and turn up without makeup, without a nice outfit, without money and be like, Do you know what? I'm a little bit broken today. Can we just talk? Mm-hmm. I didn't really have many people around me like that. And mm-hmm. the ones that I did meant a lot to me, but I wasn't able to really deal with it all at that time. I didn't have all the tools. So now I'm in this part of my life and I'm 40 this year and it's like, it's a whole other phase. And, you know, it's like now I go out and I can't wait to come home because I love my home. It's our peace. It's heaven. Exactly. The home is. <laughs> it's like, it's so peace and tranquil. We've created it to be the atmosphere. And it's all through the work that we've done over the years on ourselves and the work that I've done to get myself to a point where I've been able to accept love in this form. Mm. and and want to get married again because I, I wasn't that bothered for a long time you know I know marriage isn't the issue people sometimes that have been divorced are like oh marriage marriage is awful but and I'm like marriage isn't awful like you, you chose the wrong person or the love wasn't there or things weren't right you chose the wrong person to settle and have that with it's not love's fault <laughs> love is amazing it's all we've got you know it's amazing um or it's the experience that you need to have that's preparing you for, you know, the, the love that's down the road, right? Yeah, exactly. It has to start with you. 
but a lot of the examples we get are from childhood and mm. if you don't recognize they were toxic you, you might keep repeating those patterns until you recognize that it's not serving me anymore and I deserve better and getting to that point where you know you deserve more that is a massive pivotal point because then you won't accept anything less mm-hmm. and then your life will completely change so your husband, you know, your childhood, Aroy, was, you know, kind of some more classic scenes of what you would imagine like a dysfunctional family would look like. Was it hard for you, Jen, to come to terms with the fact that things weren't as as good as they appeared because like there wasn't physical abuse or because it wasn't violent or super toxic? Was it hard for you to kind of come to grips with like the more subtle aspects of family dysfunction? that's a great point um it is so simple if somebody is violent somebody is a heavy violent alcoholic somebody is doing things that mean that's not acceptable in anywhere in society it shouldn't be acceptable and it is really hard to recognize that because it is really subtle and you're not brought up to it and when you've got family members saying like when I left my ex-husband, no one believed it. No one understood it because he wasn't a druggie. He wasn't a drunk. He didn't batter me. I didn't turn up black and blue at my parents. If that would have happened, it would have been a no-brainer and it would have been simple and I'd have been swooped in and looked after and given the love that I needed. But I didn't have that because there was nothing on the surface wrong with it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and for me, because my upbringing wasn't like, like that, it was very difficult to recognize it mm-hmm. um, and to see that that's just the the life that I'd started myself with the other person as well, mm-hmm. because there were no massive, obvious red signs, but I was just settling for a pattern that I'd already had. And I wasn't using my voice in a way that, that, I, that I should have done or that I wanted to, because I didn't know how to, I wasn't taught to communicate. I I wasn't brought up in a home that communicated. It was all very silent, passive aggressive, slamming doors. There was anger in those areas and slamming doors and things, but it wasn't physical on each other and it wasn't ever loud arguments. Mm -hmm. It was all very hush hush and just deal with it. And yeah, like really hard, Mm -hmm. really hard. Um, So Elroy, what what did your, prior to this relationship, I mean, I know you had your, I don't know if you were, were you married when you, with the mother of your kids or you guys were just in a relationship? We weren't married, no. Yeah. So, but what did, so what did your like relationship history look like, like leading up to this relationship? I've been on and off in a long term relationship pretty much most of my life and um, had children young. So I, I went straight from being sort of parenting my parents at times mm-hmm. to, to being a parent of my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I had a lot of time to really enjoy discovering myself. You just in survival mode, just cracking on and doing what you had to do. Um, being there for siblings also. So yeah, that that was pretty much what I took into my relationships. I was sort of, after that, looking at being a fixer all the time, just um, trying to get into these situations subconsciously where... I'm trying to make things work and make them feel more confident and make them do this and that rather than recognizing that they need to do that for themselves and bring that energy to the relationship with my own energy to make something even greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where, I, that's where I kind of was with that. But as I came out of the relationship with the mother of my children, 
Um, I did get into another long-term relationship. And again, it was that kind of vibe where I wasn't really trying to. Um, and it was just a bit of fun um, for a while. And I think deep down, I knew it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And I was happy that it wouldn't because I liked not being where I was before with the mother of my children, just feeling like I was burdened um, mm -hmm. with, I didn't get a break from the responsibility. I just felt like I've just had it since I was a kid. Mm. So it was, it was nice to get that breathing space. Um, and then Jenny was just a, a breath of fresh air, just no pressure. We would, we would just meet up, um, <laughs> turn up when we say we were going to turn up yeah. and have a good time. We'd go to concerts and we'd travel, we'd go abroad and, you know, there was just no pressure to do anything. It just flowed and happened mm. naturally. And I, I really, I actually hadn't had that experience before in terms of the formation of a relationship in, in any way, just it being so natural. And um, I, I enjoyed it and still enjoy it. You know, I really felt blessed to have that opportunity to go again, if you like, at, at creating a relationship with someone. Um, I, I didn't, I don't, again, I didn't really think that I would get married because growing up, my parents weren't married, but they were together for over 30 years. And like you mentioned, your parents, you know, it's just best they stay together. That, that, there was a period of time I used to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then when I was younger, my mum decided to, uh, thankfully, uh, break up with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I remember her phoning me because, uh, cut a long story short, I remember it vividly because um, my dad knew that it was time. It was coming to that time. <laughs> he knew it was coming to that time. And he phoned me. Like He phoned me and I could hear the panic in his voice. And it was like, can you just talk to your mum for me? Because like, she's mm -hmm. just carrying on like strange. How I'm old were you? I was a grown-ass man. Okay. So, so I'm like in my um, early 30s, I want to say. And I'm like, can you just talk to him? Uh, what's going on? So my mum comes up front and she, I, I, I have not felt this energy from my mum. She's like, I've had enough and he's coming out. And the thing is, I don't want to, I don't want to throw my dad under the bus. Um, growing up, there was domestic violence. There was mm -hmm. a lot of toxicity in the air. Um, and, you know, it was not good. I did learn a lot from it um, and I did get a lot of love. I, I felt loved. I felt loved by both of them and especially my mum more than, more than, more, more than the, the both of them. But my dad did love me and still does. I know that. But I recognised that he didn't have the tools. He didn't know how to express that love. He didn't know how to be consistent with it and how to uh, express it in a way that was nurturing and, and helpful to it, especially to a child. So I kind of made peace with that and forgave him internally myself a, a, quite a while ago to be honest but again when you uh forgive and when you're in that space it doesn't mean you need to invite them back into your your energy and uh, to to create harm or the potential for it so yeah I, I feel yeah there was lots to take from the examples of my parents and their relationships it had an impact on my own and I enjoyed being free of being in a relationship for a long time because of that there's so much to consider but it was effortless with Jen and that's why it made sense to continue on. And, you know, I think at the heart of it, and this may sound, you know, a bit harsh to some, but both of us probably feel this way. It's like in this moment, we're grateful for what it is and open to evolving to wherever it goes. It may be that, you know, however long from now, we might not be right to be together. Uh, but for now, it's amazing. 
You know what I mean? And we don't focus on the negatives. We focus on how we can keep evolving into better spaces. Mm. And I think people are afraid to say it. Oh my gosh, I don't think this relationship's going to work out. Be aware of it and talk about it. So you know what? If this thing in our relationship continues, it's going to have a detrimental, you know, detrimental impact on us. We need to deal with it now because down the line, it's going to, you know, it's going to create issues. And I think that's what's so amazingly healthy about this relationship I feel I have with Jen. The scary conversations, we take our time and it is scary at times. Mm. We take a breath and then we say, okay, let's, how can we unpick this? How can we go at this? Because if we don't, it's, everything's going to fall apart. There's no guarantees in life. Like we could fool ourselves all we like. There are no guarantees that you will be together for 50 years or you might be together for 50 years, but you're not actually at peace and you don't really want to be there. I don't want any of that. I've seen that growing up. Mm-hmm. Whether you're married or not, I've seen people together for decades thinking they need to be there and they don't. Well then, if you want to be there, what can we do to make it last? And that's what I love about what we have. That's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, so these scary conversations. I mean, can you think of like the first real vulnerable kind of scary conversation that y'all had together and you know what that looked like you can think of a couple <laughs> you go first and I'll, I'll say another one <laughs> um for me um no you got no if you have if you're ready please no it's okay go because <laughs> no, I could tell I could tell I could feel that you want to the first thing that came to mind was one example of a lockdown but I'm going to go back even further. So when when we started dating, as I said, I was living four hours drive away. What so, is this, like 2019, 2018, 2019? 2019, summer 19, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So when we started seeing each other and we were, we were quite chilled and laid back about it and we wouldn't leave each other on, after having a weekend together, we wouldn't be like, right, I'm going to see you on Friday at six and you get the train or I'll get the bus or I'll be in the car, we would leave it and we would be like, okay, I'll see you soon. But then by Monday night or Tuesday at the latest, we would have a plan because we would both wanted to see each other again. And we turned up and we communicated clearly. Like my week looks like this. I'm waiting for an appointment or a meeting. I'll find out when that finishes and then I'll book a train or I'll drive down. Mm-hmm. And that was really healthy for me. And I've not had that experience of a, a man clearly wanting to show up and be consistent. Mm-hmm. And me actually wanting to show up and be consistent as well. And not just think, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Friday sounds good, but I'm thinking I want to go out with the girls or I want to do something else on Friday. It wasn't like that. It was like, actually, I want to give this a chance and just be open. And Elroy came up to the city where I lived at the end of August, start of September, because it was my birthday at the start of September. And he came up on the train and it, I had a weekend planned with some friends, um, but he came up on the, on the train on the Friday night and um, stayed with me in the, in the city. And I'd booked a hotel for the weekend because I wanted to get out of home. I wanted to treat myself to a nice weekend, went shopping. I went out and ate and drank and had a nice time. And we had a conversation that weekend. Uh, we'd been to a gig I love music. He loves music. It was just another way to bond us. We went to a gig and then we went out for some cocktails afterwards. And we'd been dating probably about three, three weeks and speaking regularly. And we knew we liked each other. But I decided to have a conversation I'd never had before 
And I was open and honest. And I said, listen, you know, I'm really happy. I like where this is going, blah, blah. I don't need to just casually date someone that lives four hours away. I don't need to do that. I like you and you like me and it's going well, but I don't need to invest lots of energy if you are just in it for a real casual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to have that conversation myself and it kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't planning it, but it just felt right because I thought I really like this guy. We're making the effort, you know, the old standard, where is this going conversation? But I felt it was need- it's time to have. And I thought if he runs away and he thinks, oh my God, this woman is crazy oh my God, what are you doing? Don't hit me with any commitment. It wasn't commitment. It was just a question. Mm. But I thought if he runs away and doesn't want to know, then he's not my person. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm. Because he's not my person. And if he's not my person, then he's not my person. And that's okay. I am my person for now. And he is not my person. And I, oh, it gets me emotional. And I can see your reaction as well. Like women need to hear this and need to know that they can like take charge of a conversation and not waste their own time and not be dictated to and if that person runs away or says no what are you doing no I'm not interested they're not your person it is that simple someone else will be your person if you're blessed to be able to get up and go on and find them if you want to maybe you are enough like you are enough we're all enough Mm. and that conversation (laughs) It wasn't met with craziness. It wasn't met with resistance. It was a conversation between two adults. And it was like, oh my God, it was so empowering. Mm. After speaking to him after, on reflection, well, you can tell your side, but it it really helped. It really helped at at an early stage in the relationship of a long distance relationship to take that step and have that conversation early when I thought, okay, I might be shooting myself in the foot, but I'm not really. Because if he runs and interested, he's not my person. I want to know who my person is. So recognising that made it so much clearer for me. Yeah, I, that was one of the examples I was going to give, because that, like you said, the first example. Because I hadn't met a woman that was so straight about mm-hmm. saying, no, I want to be in a proper relationship with you. And also say... I get it. You've been single for a while. Mm. You might have some loose ends. Take the time to deal with sorting out your loose ends if you're serious. And then let's let's go ahead because I don't want to spend time. I want a serious relationship. I don't want to spend time. Mm. I don't want to waste time. Um, I like you. This is where it is and this is how I feel. For me, that was like fireworks went off in my mm. head because for me, I was like, she's just being straight up and I could feel it was so sincere. There were no games. Yeah. It was just like, this is what I would like. What would you like? If it's a, mm. if there's alignment, then let's keep moving. And to have that simplicity, that level of openness, vulnerability and confidence about what Jen wanted, that helped me um, do the same and consider, just weigh everything up and go, actually, yeah, it would be nice to mm. explore this and keep it, keep it mm. moving. And, and see what we can build together. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a hard. It wasn't a hard <laughs> decision to make, to be yeah. honest, because of how straightforward it had all been and how mm. confident um, Jen was about making that statement. And like Jen said, if it if the person says no and it's not right, it's okay. It's not. It's actually nothing to do with you. No, it's nothing There's, to do with sometimes you. Sometimes we feel, oh, it's, it's us. What's wrong with me? Mm. Da, 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 da. It's nothing to do with you. That person isn't at the same place, and that's okay. 
because you want someone to be at the same place you cannot drag someone through a relationship or drag someone to want to commit to you you cannot drag anyone just like you hopefully cannot be dragged if somebody wants to drag you through a situation everyone should be able to say do you know what this isn't for me anymore have that respected and say okay be blessed go well and I'll see you see you around you know maybe and I think recognizing that you are in charge of a deciding what it is that you want because a lot of people go through life not knowing what they want and then wonder why they never get it well you're not getting anything because you don't know what you want what do you want there's nothing to get because you're not saying what it is that you want be clear about it be open and honest with yourself and dare to dream that I want to be freaking loved beyond I want to be adored I want to be somebody's oh my god I need this person like just because I want to treat somebody that way as well. I want to be treated that way and I want to treat someone that way. So being able to have that talk, internal dialogue with myself, monologue, not even a dialogue, it's like, yeah, it's like, actually, Jenny, you flipping, just say it, say it, just say what you want. And if this person says no thanks, then at least you know, you're not wasting time and give him space to do what he needs to do you know I'd already been through a process myself of recognizing that there was no one in my life who I knew was the one I've been on a few dates but no one that I dated that I thought well I really want to pursue it with them or I'm going to rekindle with someone else I deleted all numbers from my phone how many did you have just a couple hundreds had it Couple hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my phone was full. I had no storage left. I had three phones. A couple of burner yeah. phones. External hard drive. phones, yeah. Exactly. Pager. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I do you remember those pages. Wow. We're showing our ages now, right? <laughs> but I went through my phone. I deleted people. I got rid of pictures. I got rid of any loose ends or casual hookups. Like, I don't need that because what am I showing myself? I'm showing myself that it's actually confusing. And whilst you have other people on the back burner, you are not creating space in your life to allow the one who might pop up on flipping Facebook you are not allowing the space for that person to even enter because your brain is going to be split with other people in the background and focusing on coulda, woulda, shoulda. He wasn't that bad. He's okay. I'm so waiting to hear from that person. No, if you're waiting to hear from somebody, they're not your person. Fact, it is that simple. If you are, It isn't that hard. If you've got children like Elroy did, he had a successful career, still has, he's doing all these things. He lives four hours drive away but we still made it happen. It isn't that difficult. If you want it, you will make it happen. Mm. And there's people that you might be in your city dating and it's really hard to get a date and it's really hard to get a time pinned down because it's just not happening. And that's not just romantic relationships. That might be friends. It might be family. It might be casual acquaintances, a work colleague. You know, one of those days, yeah, yeah, we need to do lunch. Yeah, we'll go for dinner. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, I'll call you in the week. And it never happens because you're not that invested. They're not that invested. And that's okay because everyone is on their, their paths and it's not your stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have a tendency to accept everyone else's stuff and make it that something is wrong with us. But half the time, it isn't more than half the time. It's not our stuff. We're just not what they need and they're not what we need. And that's okay because everybody should actually have what they need and want in life. You know, I love what you just said about, making time you know people say oh I'm busy I, I, 
when you really want to do something yeah totally we find a way to do the things we really want to do so when someone says i really want to see you i want to be in a relationship with you listen to them Mm -hmm. (laughs) listen to what people say but more importantly listen to the actions you know what i mean like it was what it was the way jenny was following through with what she said that made me trust like people don't realize that men need to feel safe too for them to want to commit with a woman yeah you know what i mean commit with a person i need to feel safe i need to know that what she says she's going to follow through with and stand by otherwise how am i going to know what you're doing and where we are and if we have a family you're going to turn up for our children and everything else in the same ways we're running a business i need to know that what you're saying you mean and you're going to stand by it and i'm going to i'm going to do the same and if either one of us start moving off of that we need to hold each other accountable most importantly we need to hold ourselves accountable and make sure we show up for ourselves and each other mm. afterwards mm. and that's what i felt from jen why i said all right cool yeah all right then let's let's go to that next level and the next test from there and let's be honest all these things we're doing are tests especially if you've been through relationships previously <laughs> you don't want to get your heart broken you don't want to feel that pain you don't want to waste that time you want to spend all that money or whatever else you got other things you want to do right so i'm like yo Let's live together. I don't care. You want to be? We're gonna live together before we do anything else, because we could do all this living here and there, and you could nice be in like meals nice meals, sexy outfits. sexy outfits, and nice clubs. And it's, it's irrelevant. That'd be that nothing. I, I want to see you at three in the morning with one sticky eye, and 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 you're, you're, you're shuffling to the bathroom half naked, trying to find the, the switch on the wall, and you know I want to see you drunk. I, I want to see what you're like with, in, with other people, with my family. I want to see if you get on with my mum when my mum's being difficult mm-hmm. and how you deal with it. I want to see that stuff because <laughs> then I know what I'm getting into. I don't want to know what it's like when everything's amazing. When everything's amazing, we can do some great stuff. I want to see what it's like when we're at rock bottom and we're scratching around. How are we going to be there for each other? How are we going to how are we going to scratch ourselves out of this hole <laughs> that we're in right now? That's what I want to see. <laughs> Don't, don't um, give me this veneer, no. you know, like weave and eyelashes. Yeah, that's great. That's that's that has yeah. its place. Mm-hmm. I want to see, you know. Yeah, we're going to the shops and you got your hat on. There's no makeup, and we're gonna talk to this person who owes us money. Or we're gonna go and, you know, what I mean, like that's the stuff I want to see. That owes us money. Yeah, I, I want to ride or die because <laughs> I know I'm stepping up in the same way. I'm I'm there. Something um. kicks off. I've got you. Trust me. Yeah. We're going down together. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> massive, massive test. And I, I didn't recognise that at first. And Elroy was very, it come, as we know, we, he comes across very cool and calm collected, which he is. But there is so many deeper levels to this guy. And it is amazing because I felt amazing that I was able to get into those levels. And been able to recognise that this person is cool and yeah, 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 oh yeah, these are these are my casual, these are my fucking years and I'm dating this and that and other and I'm like, okay, that's cool. If that is really you on all levels, that's fine. I don't want to be a part of that. But if that is just you right now surfaced because that's your protection, I get it. I've had that protection. I've pushed people away over the past five years as well because I could not let anyone in. But now, actually, this might be something we could both do together, maybe. 
to have those conversations recognize it i never lived with anyone since i had a roommate after like i broke up with my with my ex-husband but it was a roommate like there was nothing i don't care what what they do we're just roomies you know i'm not invested in this person so living with elroy and having that conversation like i moved to london three months after we met Wow, a long time, but we had a really deep connection. We'd had many conversations, and I'll tell you something else. Honestly, seriously, this is the first relationship in my life I didn't tell anyone about. Mm. I kept it to myself. I asked for zero opinions of others, and I told people what was happening when we decided or when it was done. Hmm. But I guess my one question there is like, I mean, sometimes though, I think it's like throughout this relationship though, do you have somebody that you're bouncing things off of like, or as a mentor when things pop up? Personally, me, no. No, okay. When it comes to a personal relationship, unless you need, and it's healthy to do this, if unless you need a therapist, mm-hmm. it's healthy to do that, get a therapist. Mm-hmm. Your challenges, your things in your relationship, you discuss with each other. Mm-hmm. don't be going to talk to that friend who you do not know people's agendas though and how their own trauma and unresolved issues will have yeah. an impact on you and your personal relationship so keep your relationship to yourself and resolve your issues with internally if you need to go and get um advice go and see a therapist go and mm-hmm. see someone that has some um credible credentials mm-hmm. um to to advise you and then come back again to your unit and share because mm-hmm. so many times I've personally seen with clients and other people, they've allowed the opinions of others to mess with what they have. They have a great thing. They just need a few tweaks. And often it's not even with the relationship. It's just with them healing themselves and being patient and kinder to themselves. And then they can put that energy back and forward into the relationship. You know what I mean? And then things will resolve and go to where they want them to be. So, yeah, I feel what Jen did by not telling anyone was figure out for herself what she wanted yeah. on her terms and then put that to me and say, well, this is what I want. What are you saying? And doing that without bringing anybody else in mm. was just, I feel, such a powerful move. Mm. And it, it set the tone. It set the tone for the, the foundations of our, of our relationship. And that only worked because I'd gotten to a point where I started to trust myself. Mm-hmm. Previously, I didn't trust myself and I was making incorrect decisions or decisions that I know there would be no longevity so they didn't really have massive consequences however there is always a consequence because it's your time you're wasting your time your time is the the only precious thing that we've got so if you're wasting your time it's a waste of time and it's like nil just get rid of it you You don't get it back back. we say um there's all experiences I understand that go and say yes to those invitations if you're not sure but go and experience get out your comfort zone and build confidence by doing new things but you know sorry Jen you know what I mean by you can't get it back as well (laughs) is that um sometimes we know that that person isn't right for us (laughs) oh yeah we know (laughs) and we still end up going because of the past and so on and unresolved trauma and you could have saved yourself so much time Mm -hmm. learning the same lesson again (laughs) by learning yeah. to trust yourself yeah and to listen mm-hmm. that's all i wanted to say <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a great point 100 that's a great point um you know when you talk 
about other uh, external people for me like I would still talk to my therapist as and when just to say listen this is going on I'm not happy about this is this my stuff I'm having yeah, a reaction yeah, yeah exactly yeah getting clarity on your side of the street you know yeah it was healthy for me to do that because I have a history with this therapist but then also I'm the one uprooting my life for my mm -hmm. city and mm -hmm. I'm moving to a city I love the city I know London but I don't know it that well and I'm moving with a guy that I haven't known that long on mm -hmm. time terms. So it was very healthy for me to do that. And then I spoke to my parents and my auntie at the time, um, who I'm really close with. And I just, it was all a bit, oh, oh my gosh, oh, well, who is this person? And then they met him and stuff. But I, it wasn't like, we need to date for a year and then we'll move. Like, I was 35 at that point. And I'm like, well, what are we waiting for? Like, I've been with people for seven years and it still didn't work out what's the point you know just give it a try and I also knew that if we didn't work out if I moved to London I'm fine I've got my own money I've got my own career I can go and get my own apartment I've got friends I'll make more friends I will still have an amazing life because I can live anywhere because I'm I'm fine you know I'm good I'm solid I can see the good and bad I can see where I don't want to be I can see the places that I don't want to frequent I can see a potential dangerous person or situation and move away from it and be like, you know what, I'm going to not go there. That invitation doesn't feel right. And I trust it. And I'm not bothered about upsetting other people by turning down an invitation or saying no to somebody anymore. And it's taken me a long time to find that part of my voice. Mm -hmm. And I'm the youngest in my family as well. I'm the youngest of three. So the youngest of three at that time, you know, there weren't, I wasn't encouraged to speak up. Jane, what do you think? I was never asked what's going on for you. How do you need us to show up? What do you need from us? How is this relationship? Are you happy to go there? Do you want to see that person? Do you want to do that club after class? I was never You never asked had an option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not an option, yeah. So I never had the option to even maybe think about it. I never asked myself those questions. Do I or don't I want to do that? I don't know shall I go are you making me go are you going to drive me there okay yeah I'll go do I really want to go probably not but that wasn't an option to have those honest conversations so into adulthood you've got to have those conversations because like Elroy said you've got to keep yourself accountable yeah. and and be honest with it yeah and it's okay if you change your mind in any second in any second Elroy might wake up tomorrow and decide he doesn't want this relationship anymore and move back to England that is a possibility I might think the same thing we will figure it out like nothing is insurmountable and if it means that we split up and go our separate ways then fine we had a great time and something's changed and this person doesn't want this anymore because you can't be one person in a relationship that's not a relationship you're on your own fighting for something that doesn't exist anymore so you've always got to be aware that you've got to work at things mm. and you know i have to say on the um not telling anyone front, just for those listening and considering it. Mm. In terms of safety, yes. let people know that you're going to meet, you know, you're going to London, you're going to wherever, and you've got telephone numbers. So whoever it is doesn't, you know, isolate you, you're not putting yourself in danger. Yeah. Um, so that's, but that's a whole separate thing to talking about the intimate mm -hmm. ins and outs of your relationships, um, trying to get advice in that way. I feel it's important to do internally and... Well, it just depends because like in my past, right? Like when I'm in unhealthy relationships, I'm not telling people about it because I don't want them to disapprove of the relationship. You know what I mean? 
So that's part of it too. It's like, I don't want to tell somebody that he actually drinks every single fucking time we're together. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Yeah. And that is because you know it's wrong. If you want to get to your best friend for those reasons, because you know it's negative, then you know you shouldn't be doing it. Exactly. You do still do it because something is still unhealed that you're Mm -hmm. in that situation and attracting that person at that time. Mm So it's it's about being aware of of that side of yeah, it. Yeah, a, a, need, a need for external validation. You're feeling like you're worried about people's opinions, yeah. Rather than just yeah, this is it. It's what you know. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah, I do. I think like when it comes to trauma, and like that's why it's good to do it with somebody, you know, like with a therapist, because I think it is. You know, sometimes we do have to suss out like, is is what I'm reacting to like really about the situation at hand or am I reacting to something that's unresolved from my past, you know? And I think sometimes we need somebody to help us spot that. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that is really healthy. And as well, that's great awareness. If you have that level of of awareness for yourself and your situation, always have those conversations, find out, is it just me? Is this person, someone else, this happened 10 years ago with a different situation or a family member, and it's it's not this person because a lot of the time when we have unhealed trauma, we well, put this it on is the vessel that it's going to come out in. You know what I mean? We can do is, all the work in the world that we want, but like this real work is done in an intimate relationship. You know, and this person will and may trigger something, but mm-hmm. is it actually Elroy's fault? No, mm. not really. I'm reacting because I still haven't got the tools to react in a conflict situation or to really honestly speak up about my um, my opinion about something and to say that I'm not happy when you mm-hmm. said that. I'm not happy about X, Y, or Z. Like, that is okay to have those conversations, but you, you have to get to that stage to be able to say it and be honest about it and know that whatever happens in that conversation, you, you will be okay. Like, you'll figure it out. And at least you're being honest about it and telling yourself it's not Elroy's fault. It's maybe something that this, it's the same situation, the same example, the same scenario that is replaying, but it's not the person. And what's the common theme? Me, because <laughs> I had this last time and I had it the time before and the time before. So I need to maybe look, and it's really difficult having that mirror up against yourself and being able to have these conversations. But mm. it is so worth it. You know, that, that first intimate relationship with yourself is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, that relationship with your awareness, how you mm-hmm. accept and how you reframe and, and move forward from what you learn. And, you know, I, I feel like it's a lifelong process, isn't mm-hmm. it? It never ends. It's important to just keep it, just keep keep on the case with maintaining it and, and checking in with yourself, that awareness consistently without it being forced, mm-hmm. making it just a part of how you move daily yeah and we talk as well about self-sabotage quite a lot because that comes up a lot in life in general but also you know as our single past people and also in relationships and recognizing about self-sabotage how that might play out for you because until you're aware of that you might not know that actually this is your stuff and there's still something that you need to heal from and how has that shown up in your relationship or what have those conversations looked like for me, it is about knowing I am lovable. Mm. 
that is the main thing for me because I've spent a lot of years not realizing and not recognizing that I was lovable because I never mm. felt it. Mm. So being able to recognize I am loved, I am lovable, has really I'm in a marriage now. This person is just here because he's bored. He's freaking committed to me. Elroy does not get married. Elroy is not a man that has married lots of people, would ever entertain marriage. It wasn't on the cards. And that was fine in the early days because it wasn't on the cards for me either. We were just having a really great time together without the pressure of marriage, children, buying a house, saving for a crazy deposit that no one can afford in London. You know, all the stuff that you think should make a relationship. We just took it day by day, month by month. And we just tried to have fun along the time, along the way. So recognising that I am enough as I am, showing up with a a van full of stuff and we will figure out where it goes. (laughs) Because there wasn't much space when I had a lot of stuff. Because in my 20s, I would buy stuff to make myself happy. I had all the clothes, all the shoes, all the designer nonsense that I don't actually want or care for. But it was a way to buy a teeny tiny bit of happiness and I kept the tags on it and mm-hmm. I returned half of it because I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that was my lesson. I had to learn that. Why have I got all that debt? Why did I have that? Why did I go through that process? Because I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. What makes me happy? Real simple things, you know? You know, you made me think of both of you sharing in this moment, this whole thing of the examples of love that we saw growing up and mm-hmm. obviously replicate it. I saw on the one hand, um, my dad mostly um beating my mum and so and not all the time we had great times I must say in the moments where I saw physical violence and my mum still do for my dad that meant that what that was love that was an example Mm -hmm. of love Mm -hmm. and then on the other side watching watching my mum and not just my my dad but maybe other family members members being rude and being disrespectful in ways that I didn't like but again my mum accepted before she got this real shift in her strength and confidence around it, mm. it meant that, well, is that, is that love? Is that what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to be really harsh and unavailable and potentially aggressive, or you're meant to give in and yield and do what everyone says. So I had to, doing this for everyone else and being um, helping people with reframing and having to sh- share these, these moments with my own clients, I feel I have a responsibility to, to walk the walk and also do the same for myself. So both of us doing that, we've had to really sit down and identify Mm -hmm. those examples of love and the ones that have influenced us and go, oh my gosh, this is showing up in this way. Mm -hmm. What can we do to reframe that, to do that differently? So when we have challenges, um, I I, I internally, I count. So if Jenny's talking and we're having a a conversation, I will sometimes stop and count internally if I feel triggered mm. to just breathe for a moment before I hit back with a lot of emotion in what I respond with. Mm-hmm. Trying these different tools to ensure that I don't become how my parents were. And again, I'm not throwing them under the bus. They just weren't equipped. They had me young. The examples they had were different. We're mm. talking about growing up in the 80s, 70s and 80s when there was so much external racism and toxic uh, stuff going on um, that they they couldn't deal with and had the mm. pressures of that. And then raising children and not having enough money at times. As an adult now, I can understand that. As a mm. child, it's it's very hard to, to comprehend. And then you think it's the norm. So, yeah, the, definitely the examples of love and how we can do things differently has been showing up. Being kinder to myself as well has helped me with being kinder 
when mm-hmm. we have challenging moments in our relationships mm-hmm. and to to and, and to let Jen to, to figure out the love languages like this stuff is real like figure yeah. out how Jen likes to be loved mm-hmm. you know after all of that unpicking and reframing well actually how does Jen like to be loved does she like to be touched does she like to be told mm-hmm. does she like gifts does she like you know reassurance what is it you know figuring that out and just giving it to her uh like and the same for me and don't play there's a period of time sometimes when we're um you know trying to get into relationships and so on where there's the hunt and the chase and mm-hmm. the thrill of all of that we've passed all that mm-hmm. we've passed all that and i'm not saying you can't still do it every now and again but I'm, what i am saying is let's just get straight to it because when we resolve these challenges we explode into something even greater mm-hmm. we know where we stand with each other we know how we're going to deal with certain challenges so we can go on that three week um expedition around south america we can go wherever and feel confident that when we face a challenge we're going to find ways to come together and figure it out together and move forward mm. so that that's been how we've been navigating yeah. stuff from the past the tools we have and sort of moving forward with our relationship and how we share that with our clients as well as as a way to mm. progress yeah and one of the things for me on on the on top of that all of that is valid for both of us and especially for me it's been patience so Mm -hmm. patience with myself trying not to be hard on myself because I am hard on myself and that's part of the people pleasing element of little Jenny and doing all the things and being all things for all people and managing other people's opinions that I had to do with a child that is a burden for any child they shouldn't have to do that around family and and parents and stuff but being patient with myself and then bringing that patience into my marriage has been challenging, but also like the some of the biggest light bulb moments. And it's like, okay, we're having an argument or something is blowing up now. What is really going on? Because I always say to me, Elroy, my clients, like the thing is not the thing. It's about washing up. Why hasn't he done the washing up? Is it really about the washing up? No, it's not. It's maybe mm. about not being seen, not being listened to, mm-hmm. not being heard, mm-hmm. not having to repeat myself five times because maybe that's a trigger from years ago when nobody bloody listened to me. All of those things, what is really going on? It's not about how a problem presents itself. Very rarely there is things that are a lot deeper. So just cut to it. What is the root of the cause? Get to that conversation. The quicker you can have those conversations and emerge safe and seen and heard and respected and still loved and remembering and knowing that you're loved tell each other that you still love each other thank you for sharing how is this for you what is going on and listen to the answers ask the questions listen to the answers and if you like me I need a bit more time sometimes I can't say straight away how I'm feeling sometimes I don't know Sometimes it takes me a bit longer to process that emotion mm-hmm. and I need to feel safe. Like Elroy said, I need to feel safe to have an uncomfortable conversation because I was never brought up to believe I could have any conversation and I would still be loved and heard. I would be told to sit mm. down. And mm. so I need to know I'm going to be okay. And if he doesn't respond in a way that I need, I need to know that I'll be okay anyway. And mm. I'm strong and I can deal with it. And he's not able to give me what I need right now. But I've said it. I've done the right thing for me. I've empowered myself and been honest. And it's out there now. Nobody died. Nobody exploded. The house didn't erupt. Yet. Nobody got Yet. Nobody <laughs> All of those things. Nothing. None of that stuff happened. We're still here. We're still stuck. We're still peaceful. Now go. 
let's talk if you're ready. If you're not ready, you might need more time. Mm. Elroy might need more or less time than I do. Respect each other's time limits and boundaries and know that if 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 Elroy's not ready to speak yet about what's upsetting him, I need to give him space. What does that look like? Does it mean that he's going to go to the gym for a few hours or just sit upstairs and or watch a movie on his own? If that's the case, I'll move and I'll work around it because I recognise that he needs that time. Just like sometimes I need that time to be on my laptop or to go for a run or to go for a drive or to call a friend and just have a random chat about something else or to do some work or to do some yoga or meditate or write in my journal. All of these things are our tools that you need to find what your tools are to self-manage and regulate your emotions because otherwise you just end up in a massive storm of craziness and everyone spirals and then you're talking about things that happened two years ago that you're still holding on to that aren't even the thing right now, but it's resentment that builds when you don't address it. Amen. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good sermon right there, Jenny. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> Feel that one. And I've heard this from all the experience. So we've been there, done it, felt oh it, gosh. cried about it, argued about it, and this is where we are now. So listen to this. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, this has been so powerful. Any closing comments? You know, one of the, this is a completely different one, actually, because we've discussed this before. Mm -hmm. We've been running retreats for, um, especially sort of business owners and so on, and, and people that just feel a bit stuck and relationships, especially that, that need space to heal. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we run them in Jamaica um, and we're, we're doing one in July. So if there's anyone that is a part of your close community mm -hmm. would like to join us, we have two spaces left. I so get get in touch like real soon like within the next 72 hours i would say it's not um, gonna be this isn't gonna be out in the next 72 hours okay well then this is just, <laughs> this is just for you then yeah people not, can still reach out you can still you yeah. can still you can reach out we have something going off in july but, it, but you can yeah, this will out. come out not this wednesday but the next wednesday so whatever that is may uh, yeah 24th so what, so that's all yeah. a little bit of time if they haven't been full so yeah but what but what we're doing is we're not making this available to the masses. It's just yeah. those people that come to us and connect and really feel they would benefit from time and space being held for them to process, to heal, to explore different activities that take them deeper, take them under the surface. A lot of people go on holiday thinking, yeah, I need a holiday, and then go back, and after a few weeks, they're back to where they were. Mm -hmm. This is about reframing and really getting to the heart, really identifying what's going on with you in a nice space so that you can come back with tools that keep you moving into choices that serve you better. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that's come from our own journey with our relationship, our relationships with ourselves and each other. So it's beautiful to, to be able to be doing that now too. Yeah, and the reason we wanted to create a retreat, we're in a beautiful country, but then also with our own experiences and we've trained and we've learned to qualify in certain areas, it's been really powerful. And going back even further, when we first met in 2019, mm -hmm. I was in in uh, Ibiza for a 10-day mm -hmm. yoga retreat. And it was so amazing. It was 
the time I was single, we'd not met in person at that point. I was single, I was enjoying myself and I needed at that time, just, I needed more peace and silence. Mm -hmm. So if I something that I could go to on my own and I felt safe, I had so many light bulb moments. I, I was doing like um, a Deepak Chopra meditation. He does a 21 day meditation challenge as well, which was really powerful. And I did that at the same time. And that summer was really pivotal for me and really powerful. So coming back and then we met after this retreat, I'd had space to myself, time to think, time to just quieten the noise. So for me, retreats of, I remember them and I know them as being really powerful space to be dedicated time to give yourself, like Elroy said, you might go on holiday, but you still feel so tired afterwards because you've, you've burnt out and you've parted or you've done everything. And you're not really addressing the unhappiness that you might feel when you have to go back to work on Monday morning or the kids mm -hmm. are going through their stuff and you've got to manage life again. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to be able to give yourself that time to focus on yourself and anything you're going through. Yeah. And I guess the final thing I'll say is um, awareness, acceptance, action. That's one of the three sort of focuses that we really like to explore. Mm -hmm. That assist with that ongoing process of, of mindfulness uh, mm -hmm. for yourself, but also in your relationships. Mm-hmm. And thank you for having us. Yeah, this is so great. I loved it. What yeah. What do you guys think for your? I'll put all your shit to your links and everything in the show notes.